Amen. There is no one like him as we turn our Bibles to the book of Matthew 13, 1, 3. Matthew 13. The chapter will be, or the verse will be from verse 10. Or maybe if I can just bother you a bit, let's just go to Jeremiah first. I just need a, a build up from Jeremiah to Matthew. Jeremiah 23, verse 18. That's Jeremiah 23, verse 18. We're only left with one weekend before the convention. Amen. Jeremiah 23, verse 18. If you have found it, you can say amen. amen. Oh, maybe let's read it together on the screen. Oh, maybe you can read it after me. For who has stood in the counsel of the Lord? Uh, do you have an answer to that question? Do you have an answer to that question? Do you have an answer to that question, church? Amen. If I were you, I'd say, yes, I have stood in the counsel of the Lord. And have perceived and had his weight. Who has marked his weight and had it? Amen. Let's just go to Matthew 13, from verse 10 to 13. Matthew 13, from verse 10. If you have found it, you can say amen. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundancy. But whosoever hath not from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing, they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. Let's bow our heads. Gracious Heavenly Father, we are very much thankful this morning for such a beautiful morning. Especially in this season where we hear of the road carnage, dear God, that are claiming lives. But for us to be able to move around and drive around and make it to our destinations safe, I don't want to take that for granted. It is simply because of your grace. And for that, if we've got nothing to thank you for, we just want to thank you for our safety. Lord, I believe every believer in the building They've got various things that they can be thankful to. 
you for this morning, but I am glad for the revealed word of the hour. And Heavenly Father, we have read the Bible, we have read the scripture. Any man with a human understanding can attempt to read and try to interpret the scripture. But in the end time, we were warned by the prophet messenger. Do not misquote, do not misplace, do not misinterpret. And Heavenly Father, my desire is that as I was preparing for these notes, let my, whatever I'm going to say, it must never be subject to those three elements. When I live here, help me not to have misquoted, help me not to have misinterpreted, help me not to have misplaced and misinterpreted the scriptures. And for that to happen as a human being, help me to step aside so that the Holy Spirit can move in a special manner. And here are your people. I'm asking you to help them to step aside. Because when the preacher steps aside and the hearer steps aside, God is bound to step in. And it should not be the mechanical of our thoughts. Let it be a product of the supernatural move of God. I know requests have already been brought before you. Thanksgiving have already been brought before you. All this happened because you want to show that you are not a historical God, but you are alive and living forevermore. And for that, we will forever be thankful, dear God. And Lord, we just want to commit everybody that is here as we are nearing the end of the year. We don't know what happened throughout the year, but you know, dear God. And Heavenly Father, we've realized that wherever, whatever we do, we are led by you. We've got a convention that is before us, dear God. The main thing about this convention is not that maybe we can pitch ourselves to be a better group. That is not the objective. But the objective is to create a forum where God can come and speak in an unhindered manner where lives of men and women can be mended, where the sick can get healed, where those that are weary can be rejuvenated by the revelation of the way. Heavenly Father, help us that whatever we do in this life, it should never be about ourselves, but let it be about your glory, dear God. You have never shared your glory with any man. Abraham was a great man, but you allowed him to speak a lie just to bring out the weakness of that man, even though he was a man of faith. Because you have never wanted to share your glory with any man. And this morning, we are not going to give any man the glory. We are not going to give the preacher the glory. We are going to give the Lord Jesus Christ the glory. For he and he alone deserves the glory. We are here because we want to offer our sacrifices. We want to offer our prayers to you, dear God. May you accept them, dear God. In the building, there may be those that have visited. There may be those that are caught up in between. And we know being caught up in between, it may be a dangerous thing. 
but I believe the word this morning will answer to every man and woman that may be caught up in whatever situation that they may have found themselves in. But I'm glad there is a creator that people can run to and they can scream and ask for help from him. He's more than willing to respond to, to their needs. That is our desire as we commit everything to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. While you take your seats, God bless you richly. Amen. So, we are thankful to see all in the service this morning. Amen. I just want to take a couple of minutes and speak on a subject. You know, God has got a way to bring sermons to your heart. Amen. Uh, Preachers would know there are sermons that come from your testimony. And there are sermons that come from your sermon, your, your, your trials. And there are sermons that come from your state of uncertainty. Amen. Yes, preachers have got moments of uncertainty. Amen. Don't put them on a, on a pedestal. They've got moments of uncertainty. The sermon, it may sound a bit weird, but it came from a state of worry. Amen. And yes, somebody already is shooting and say worries of the David. Amen. We, we are here because we worry about our eternal destination. And not only worried, but we are concerned. Are we together? Now, I, I, was, I was looking at this and it, it baffled me. It has been baffling me for quite some time until uh, God dropped in my heart what he wanted me to say this morning. When you read, even before I introduce my text, when you read in Matthew 17, verse 1 to 9, we are going to read it here because we want to build up our text or our subject before we introduce it. Matthew 17, verse 1 to 9, it reads in this manner, it says, After six days, after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart. Who did he take? Peter, James, and John. And was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then Peter then answered Peter and said unto them, Lord, it is good for us to be here. They had a jubilant time. If thou wilt let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elias. 
while he spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Are we together? And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were so afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, be not afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And they came down from the mountain, and Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. Are we together? Uh, maybe while we are there wondering, let us just go to, I think it's Mark 14, verse, or Mark 5. Mark 5, verse 37. I think that is when Jesus went to heal Talita. Mark 5, verse 37. If found, you can say amen. That amen didn't sound confident. All right. The Bible says in Mark 5, 37, and he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. Do you see something there? Do you see something there? Mark 14. Mark 14, verse 32. Mark 14, verse 32. Just a few pages ahead. Mark 14, verse 32. And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I, while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John and began to be so amazed and to be very heavy. Do you see something there as well? What is the commonality of all those scriptures that we have read? Galatians 2, verse 9. Galatians 2, verse 9. This is Paul speaking. Galatians 2, 9. There we have it on the screen. When, Jesus, when James, Cephas, and John, don't be amazed today and say, who was this disciple called Cephas? Cephas uh, is Aramic, and the interpretation of Cephas is Peter. When James, Cephas, and John who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, 
they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship that we should go unto the heathen and they unto the circumcision. It started, and maybe you'll share my concern here as I was reading this. In Matthew 13, the greatest, or Matthew 17 rather, the greatest event happens in the Bible where Jesus, after the six days, he took James, John, and Peter and went up the mountain. And when they were there, then there appeared Elijah and Moses. Then Peter said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt let us make here three tabernacles, because he was having a great time. Now, on, the, on this Mount Transfiguration, they experienced the full cycle of life. Full cycle of life. Moses was dead, but had resurrected. Elijah never died, had raptured. Now, you've got both the saints that have resurrected and the saints that have uh, raptured, represented on that mountain. Are you here, church? And then you have Jesus that uh, transfigured and his face did shine as the sun and his raiment was as white as the light. My concern was, why not the rest of the disciples were given an opportunity to attend this service? Why such a, a great, a great event such as this? Imagine, imagine Moses is the prophet. Elijah was the great prophet. Now they have a meeting with them on Mount Transfiguration. One never died. One died and rose again. But while they are there, the rest of the disciples are not there. It's only Peter, James, and John. If you were the rest of the disciples, were you not going to be worried that why this service took place and I was not part of this service? Uh, are you here, folks? I, I don't know whether you, you, you follow where I'm going. And Furthermore, when he went to pray for Talita, he, he said he suffered no man to follow him except Peter, James, and John. Are we together? When he went to Gatesman, he did not want anybody there. He left the rest of the disciples and took Peter, James, and John. And when Peter, when John came, he was more concerned that I have received the hand of fellowship from James, Cephas, who is Peter, and John. My question, what worried me was that had I been the rest of the disciples, and later they tell me that the master had taken some of us and had gone up the mountain and they had met Elijah and Moses, what, how would I have felt? And furthermore, I would have asked that, why did you not tell us the day you went that 
when you came back and really shared the testimony with us, why did we keep it a secret? And they say, listen, the master said we must not tell any man. He charged us that we can only narrate this event after the resurrection. How would you have felt if you were one of the disciples? Why? why? And, and maybe if it came to you, the first thing that you would have thought, oh, he, he is really, he's got favoritism. Because he has never give us a, given us a, the opportunity to decline the invitation. And why only these three fellas, wherever he goes, where, where no one can go, only these three can follow? Are you here, folks? Are, are you not getting worried as I was getting worried? Now, that's when it dawned on me that uh, there is always within a ministry the inner cycle. Within Jesus' ministry, John, James, and Peter were part of the inner cycle. During the ministry of Moses, John and Caleb were part of the inner cycle. And then it dawned on me that uh, my greatest ambition, my greatest ambition, I will reveal it now, is not to be an eighth messenger. Don't be worried about that. That is the list of my worries. The greatest ambition that I have, I want to be within the inner cycle of the Malachi for ministry. I want to make sure that there is no event that takes place within this message that I am not part of. God, if you reveal the seals, let me be part of the revelation of the seals. If the third pool is unleashed to its full potential, my desire, God, I want to be part of that. If the rapture is going to take place, my desire, Lord, I want to be part of that. Whatever you have given as part and parcel of this ministry, my greatest desire, do not do it without me. Let me like be, be like Peter, James, and John in the end time. I, I don't know. When we get to on the other side, one of the things that I would like to ask the Lord Jesus Christ, what was this, what's so special about this tree? Remember, folks, the rest of them are not going to hell. The rest of them... They are part of the promises. But why these three, wherever you find them, they are a step ahead. And I don't know, but I, I presume that the Lord would say to me, I searched their hearts and I realized the depth of their desire. Not that others did not want to be part but when I checked, they were fine to follow me when I multiplied bread. They were fine when they saw somebody resurrected. They were fine to see some, that they were no longer sinners. But these ones, they had the, deep, the deeper desire to understand the mysteries of God. Until I felt that I could not do anything without them. Are you here, believers? Are you here? Amen. Just a sec as the brother fixes me up. 
Am I fine? Amen. Did you get that, folks? Now I've gone completely. Oh, they say I'm fine. Here I'm gone. Amen. Normally we say one, two, three. Amen. Did you catch that? Amen. We are back. Paul says, when James and Cephas and Joy, John, who seemed to be pillars, folks, I don't want to be a follower. Just to be a follower of this message. I want to be a pillar of this message. Are you here, folks? And I'm not saying this exclusively to, for me as a pastor. I want every one of you to develop that desire. Lord, I want to be a pillar of this message in the end time. And my message, I'm speaking about the inner cycle. Hallelujah. Jesus, when he came, there were 70 that followed him, or the multitude in their thousands, they followed him. And it was a big number, it was a wonderful praise and worship, everything was going on. Then he uttered that statement, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you are unworthy of me. Then it caused a rumbling within the multitudes. They said, listen, this is not what we came out here for. Why would this man turn us into, into this? We cannot drink his blood and eat his flesh. Then the thousands left the message of the hour. The 70 remained. While the 70 remained, or the mixed multitude were, they actually left because on that day, they expected a miracle of the multiplication of bread and fish, and it never came through. Now, thousands left the message of the hour. Now, 70 remained in the message. But while they remained in the message, that's when he said, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you are worthy of me. Then 70 started looking at each other. What are we going to do? Then they as well left the message of the hour. And the twelve remained. And they turned around, he says, listen, are you, don't you want to follow like the rest of them and leave the message? Now Peter says, where shall we go? Because in thee we have found the weights of eternal life. And right there, there was John, Peter, and James that never went anywhere. And I'm simply saying, the mixed multitude are going to leave the message of the hour. The 70 are going to get into the message and try to search certain things. And if they don't make sense, because remember, to the multitude he spoke in parables. But to the insiders he spoke in plain language. Are we together? Something can be spoken. And the very thing can save somebody, and the very thing can stumble somebody that they never recover ever again. 
Did you hear me? Maybe while I'm there, let's go to John 12, verse 28. John 12, verse 28. Found, you can say, Amen. It reads in this manner, if it is found, Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. I have both glorified it and a promise will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it, said that it thundered. They were not wrong. Yes, indeed, they heard a thunder. Others said, an angel spake to him. Why would the people be at the same geography and be exposed to the same sound? And one says it's just a thunder, and another one comes around and says, an angel spoke. In the end time, I will glorify it and will glorify it again. When he glorified it there, some heard a thunder. When he glorified it there, some heard a voice of an angel. And in the end time, when he glorifies his name again, some will just hear a thunder. A thunder is a noise that is an unintelligible noise. You cannot, de- 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 you cannot decode anything from it. It is devoid of any meaning. But uh, others said an angel spoke to him. So that means those that will hear the angel speaking, they will get the message of an angel. Are you here, folks? Yeah. Are, we, are we still together? I'm trying, I'm simply trying to say, maybe if I use an analogy, and I'll use ESCOM because it's all over the news. When you, when we work for ESCOM, all of us working for ESCOM, we are the same, but we are not the same. There are people that have critical information, and there are people that we are just happy that they came to clock at work. There are people that deal with sensitive documents. And every document, and for those that are in safety, there is a a document control mechanism. There is a, a document control number that has got to be on the document. And a document has got to be classified, internal use, classified use, or it can be used by whoever. Are we together? The first pool was not classified. Everybody can have an access to it. Everybody can enjoy that. The second pool was not classified. Anybody can have access to it. Anybody can enjoy that. And anybody can copycat that. But the third pool ministry, which was the fullness of the way, it's a classified information. And the danger part is that should you run into documents that were never meant for you, you're going to bring misinterpretation because the, you are not the original recipient of a document. 
when a sender sends the recipient a document, he knows that the recipient has got a certain level of competency to understand the contents of a document. Are we together? The managing director can never just send a document to a general worker, although they can share the word general in their titles. But the communication can never be general. Do you hear me? Financial, you can work for a company, but the financial statements of the company are only available to the selective people. Not everybody has got access to them. Because somebody should they have an access to them. Tomorrow they're going to go on strike and say we are making a lot of money. Having misinterpreted the documents and not realizing that actually we are making losses. The word is a document that comes from the sender. But the sender does not expect a certain level of competency. The sender this time, he expects that the spirit of the sender must be in the recipient to interpret the document. And if the recipient is without the spirit of the sender, the document, the recipient is going to be confused. Go and make the people the my disciples and baptize them in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. When that document reached the people that it was not intended for, they took it and really practiced it in a literal form. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Ghost. But Peter, after he received the spirit of the sender, and became a recipient on his day. He looked at Father, Son, and Holy Ghost and said, We are not going to use this. We are not going to use this. The name is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was not uh, the cleverness of Peter, but it was because the spirit of the sender was in Peter to interpret the document. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. That document, some when it reached them, they said it's John the Baptist. But to the people that had the spirit of the recipient, they realized that Elijah must be on the land. Are you part of those people? Let's get here. Now, Jesus said, in Matthew 16, verse 14, they said, he asked them, who do men say I, the son of man, am? Who do men, who, the people that are without a classified information, who do they say I am? They said, some say that thou art John the Baptist. Some, Elias, others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Listen to the last phrase. One of the prophets. If, if a business opens in town and you ask somebody and say, what is happening with that business? And it says, no, it's just one of the business. It expresses an attitude that I don't care. 
If it's a business, it's just one of the business. If it's a, maybe, maybe it's an Elijah. Maybe it's John the Baptist. Maybe it's Jeremiah. But whether it's Jeremiah or Elijah or John of the Baptist or one of the prophets, it does not concern us. That is the attitude of an outsider. Then he realized what the outside public was saying. Then he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Yes, people are saying I'm this and that, but who do you say I am? Now, listen to, listen to the people that have got a, a supernatural channel. Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He did not say, Thou art Jesus. Jesus was common. Pharisees did not have a problem. They even called him Jesus. But to call him Christ, it had, they, that means you had to take that being and, and equate that being to Elohim. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now this is an insider responding. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barajona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Debates take place within the flesh realm. Hallelujah. Contestation takes place within the flesh realm. I cannot make you believe the message by debate. I cannot coerce you to believe the message maybe by, by enticing you with certain things. However, this has got to be the Father doing. No one can come to me unless he is drawn by the Father. Are you here, church? And he said unto them, Thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Upon what? The revelation of who he is, I will build my church. And today, everyone that cometh to him must be like Peter and receive the same quality of revelation that Peter received. Let's hear what the prophet messenger says here in the message, the Hebrews, paragraph 314. He said, I said, it's impossible. A Christian could not blaspheme the Holy Ghost. Amen. A Christian could not blaspheme the Holy Ghost. The Christian cannot blaspheme the word of God. He who blasphemes the word of God, that means he's not the seed of God. I say, Brother Mary, what gives you the authority to declare that? Yes. He says, if you speak against it now, there will be forgiveness. But whoever will speak against the Holy Ghost, there shall not be any forgiveness. And this message was the product of the Holy Ghost in the end time. And any person that speaks against the message of the hour, they are drawing curses upon themselves. And while I did, I had much better put it on record. Disagree with the message and keep your mouth shut. You are better safe in that way and say, I don't understand what they are talking about, but I just respect it and I don't want to get myself involved. You are better off. Yes. 
But those that are beginning to go on the internet and try to attack the message of the hour, they are drawing curses upon themselves. Let me tell you something. If you sin willingly, there remaineth no sacrifice for such. A Christian could not blaspheme the Holy Ghost. You can't do it. A Christian spirit bears record with Christ's spirit. And you will call everything of God, God. But if you are carnal-minded and you make fun and laugh at the Holy Ghost, I don't care how much you go to church, you are still a sinner. You are blaspheming the Holy Ghost. And when they saw Jesus designing their thoughts, they said he was a fortune teller. And Jesus said, I will forgive you for that. But when the Holy Ghost has come, you speak a word against it, it will never be forgiven. Because they said he has unclean spirit, calling the spirit of God an unclean spirit. A Christian cannot do that. A Christian will always call the spirit of God righteousness. A Christian cannot blaspheme the Holy Ghost. It's the outsider that blasphemes the Holy Ghost. The Christian will never blaspheme the prophet of the hour. The outsider will blaspheme the prophet of the hour. The Christian will never blaspheme the message of the hour. But an outsider will blaspheme the message of the hour. And today we are coming to a separation time between the insiders and outsiders. Are you here? Amen. Amen. Glad you are still with me. And folks, what was meant for Peter, John, and James, if it landed in the wrong hands, it was going to be misinterpreted. What is meant for the bride, if it lands in the wrong hands, it is going to be misinterpreted. And while at it, maybe those that will often want to attack the message of the hour, I always say, it's great that you say this is not it. Uh, show us the one that you think it is. I, I never debate about this bunch of nonsense. I simply say, oh, I'm ready to be rebaptized. Just show, take me through the process. And most of them, they disappear. Hallelujah. Because why? Their subconscious mind has already been exposed to the truth. And they realize that they cannot say certain things without coming back to the prophet messenger. Is there anyone that has ever left the message that is recommending the people to come to such and such church? They just simply give you a very wishy-washy answer. Come to Jesus. Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? Is there a party? Is there a church? And how do I come to Jesus? You see, some people are specialists of making you let go of the precious thing without replacing it with something to the equal value. Uh, are you here, Shrek? All this apologetics, if all the, I wanted to show, to have the boldness of, listen, you come there, and you come out there, you come in here. Here we are sorted. But none of them, it seems like after they've left the message, they find peace. Yeah. They are still struggling to justify what they have gone. Yeah. You know why? It's because the truth yes. still condemns them. Yes. 
And the reason they are struggling and they don't have peace is because to begin with, they never had anything within them to believe the message of the hour. And to begin with, they were the outsiders, not the insiders. This message, folks, it is for the thoughts of God expressed in our time. Brother Brenham said, you will never become the word unless you were a thought. If we cannot find you in a thought form, we will never find you in the word form. And if you were in the thought form, I don't care where you are, you will be found in a word form. Because you know that once there is a thought, the thought has got to become the weight. That is a natural progression. If you were a thought, you will become the weight. And if you were never a thought, you will never become the weight. No matter how many sermons we can pour on your head. Are you not amazed, folks? That some people, they are coming into the message. I was talking to a pastor yesterday who was giving me a testimony. A brother just happens to come in their locality. And that brother did not know anyone. He was just looking for a church. And he met his other brother and he said, Listen, if you meet him, just tell him that I, I, I was asking about him. Then it amazed him that in this locality, is there anybody that knows about me? The, Sorry, and then he called the brother and said, what must we do? He says, no, you must come uh, and meet me at church. And he has gone to that church for many years until he was taken home. Why would just somebody knowing you in the natural realm translating you coming into the economy of God? Folks, coming into the way, into the message, is not us having a stack of books trying to convince you. When Philip, when he found Philip, he just said, Philip, follow me. Was there a quotation? No quotation. Was there a scripture? No scripture. But they connected on a deeper level until Philip realized, I can never go back to my old thing. I must follow this man. When Philip went to Nathaniel, he simply said, Nathaniel, though the one that we have always been reading about, we have found him. Come and see. And folks, I want to say this and hear me very well. How you bring a person into the message is how you are going to sustain them. How you start the church is how you will sustain the church. If whenever we start the church, we go into a debate and fight, that church has got to be maintained by debate and fight for the rest of its life. But if the way, if the church is started by the way, it will be maintained by the way. Always, whenever something goes further, check how did this thing start. How it starts, it determines its end. How you came in will determine how far you can go. Are you with me? Brother Brenham says, when Paul was writing to the Ephesians. He reads a scripture. Let me find it for you. How many insiders are here this morning? Amen. How many people have got classified information? Amen. Hallelujah. Classified information allows you to connect the dots. Amen. Hallelujah. 
How many know that information is power? I, in my career, I've realized, uh, I've seen that uh, often shop stewards, they know ma- more about the company policy than the managers of the company. And you go, you go and find them during the hearing. The shop steward will be taking this policy and that policy, and the manager is saying, goodness, he doesn't even remember the last time he read the policy. Information is power. Amen. Let's check this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. It reads in this manner, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Why did not Paul just say, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, do you see the sender identifies himself? Paul, not just any other Paul, but Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and not by the will of men, but by the will of God. To the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, So that means Paul was setting a tone that should this letter come across somebody that is not part of the addressee list, he must know that it is not meant for you. And I'm simply saying if the message confuses you, maybe somewhat either you wait upon the Lord to bring a revelation or maybe it was never meant for you. You know why in the message we often say you must get to the baptism of the Holy Ghost? The reason we emphasize that is not just to make a, uh, a fleshy statement. The reason Brother Bram said the Holy Ghost is an inside teacher. So that means as I'm sitting, standing here, I'm preaching certain things that may go overboard. But if the Holy Ghost is the inside teacher, the Holy Ghost takes things that whatever you have read, whatever you have heard, and decode them. And later, while you are sitting alone, you say, no wonder they preach in this manner. It's because you've got an inside teacher. And what is the purpose of the comforter? When he comes, he will teach you all things. The Holy Ghost will help you to connect the dots. Are we together? If somebody comes to you and says, Brother Brennan was not on the Sunset Mountain on that day, you say, that's a bunch of nonsense. Because you can ask them the same question. How did Philip get to the Ethiopian Enoch? In record time. When there were no flights. When there was no jet, nothing. But Philip, in no time, he was dead. Do we have an explanation for that? Do I have an explanation on how Philip was transported there? The only thing that I know, it is a supernatural move by a supernatural God for the supernatural people. And if you are not supernatural, you will never understand. Can I bring another one? How does the man that is driving on an American highway... While he's busy driving there, a vision breaks out. He begins to see a vision while the car is moving. How do I explain that? And let me tell you, when you need an explanation for the word of God, maybe you are the wrong material. 
Because why? You've got to believe. Bible is addressed for specific group of people who are faith-based. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. You allow me to paraphrase it and make it relevant in the end time. William Maron Brenham, a prophet of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Hallelujah. I'm identifying the sender. Hallelujah. And to the saints which are at Congo, to the saints that are at USA, to the saints that are in Wheatbank, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. And I want to say, I am included in the document. And I'm not just saying it as a statement. The spirit of the sender has been in me to receive the document. If people say, Brother Brandon was never sent to what one, he was not sent for them. You know why some of us, we can never deny the message? It's because of the effect that this message has had upon our hearts. And we realize it was a scriptural effect. Behold, I'll send you Elijah the prophet before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He shall turn the hearts of the children. And if you are a child and your heart is turned, no demon can turn back your heart. No doctrine can turn back your heart. It was turned by the Almighty God. And maybe I had much better declare to the devil and his truth. There is a specific group of people Upon the face of the earth, they have reached a point of no return. Although those people here this morning, there are people upon the face of the earth, they have reached a point of no return. No internet site will ever turn them back. Their heart was turned by the Almighty God. And I had much better mention I'm part of that number. And I don't know how many say, I'm part of that number. Yeah. Folks, we are not going back. Yeah. We are here to stay. Yeah. How many agree with that? Yeah. We are not going back. Yeah. We are here to stay. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. And for that, we want to thank God. And I'm telling you, we will survive recession. Recession will never turn us back. We will survive persecution. We will never go back. What is it that can separate us from the love of God? What is it, folks? Nothing. Your heart was turned by God. And the question, whenever somebody wants to tell you a wrong thing, you say, tell me, who turned my heart? I was going this way. My life was going downward. But at a certain point in time, my heart turned. Who turned my heart? Amen. Paul. William Brenham, 
the prophet of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Maybe for those, a genuine prophet, a genuine prophet has got, there is a way of a genuine prophet. A genuine prophet is not somebody that says, hey, Brother Clement, you're going to have a car. Hey, Brother Mavin, oh, goodness, I see in the spirit realm, your house is on the way. Brother Grace, there's money in your account. Oh, that's not a way of a true prophet. That's not a way of a true prophet. A true prophet will always bring you back to the weight. And folks, I'm talking about the insiders here. Do you remember Joshua? When they molded the golden car, you know that Joshua was not part of that service. Joshua had gone up the mountain with Moses. Are we together? Uh, but the priest, Aaron, was there molding a golden car. Oh, what, what did you do? The people pressurized me. And uh, you want me to say that? There's going to be pastors that are going to come under pressure to mold the golden cards. And when God requires them, what have you done? Or the prophet said, what have you done? The people... That's why, folks, we are not preaching for the people. We are preaching based on the conviction of the word. Are we together? The people made me do this. Golden calf. But Joshua was there receiving the word from God. Today, the golden calf, it's a prosperity gospel. Golden car. Amen. And you heard me. I'm not saying you need not to be prosperous. But prosperity is not a subject or the theme of our ministry. But it does not say our ministry does not bring prosperity. The real prosperity is when you are prosper, but you become humble. John was a prosperous but yet a spiritual man. Hallelujah. And folks, let me put it this way. Whenever you want to test whether a prosperity is genuine, genuine, a prosperity that is genuine is prosperity that wants to hijack the direction of the church because I'm a big tithe payer. I do not understand, Pastor. You need to come over to my house. Let's talk over this. And the pastor, because he knows this is a big tight spare, he's trembling. But a real prosperous man who's spiritual, in his prosperity, say, how can I support the work of God? Let me be on my knees. Let's pray for the work of God. That man is prosperous indeed, or that woman is prosperous indeed? Real prosperity, we will see it by bringing humility. Amen. And a lot of pastors are captured. Amen. Captured by the taste of the people. Amen. Are you still with me? 
Brother Brenham says, adoption, paragraph 2-1, he says, now first thing, Paul starts out here to tell the people, remember, this is to the church, not to the outsider. Remember this message, it is to the church, not an outsider. And you people must have a spiritual discernment. You must have spiritual discernment. Are we together? People that, you know why people think that message has been being attacked by a lot of people for many years and it it was not big a deal. But these days people say, I've been in the message for 30 years. Oh, goodness. You have been in the message for 30 years. Cool. Good stuff. But the message has not been in you even for one second. Because if the message was in you one, four seconds, it would have never left you. If you leave something that you have been into for 30 years, you were into it. It was never in you. Amen. Remember, this is to the church, not to the outsider. To the outsider, it's a mystery and riddles to him, never able to understand it. It goes over the top of his head. And you, and you know, when you are, I would imagine Brother Mpayana, Brother Dipadi, and Brother Mtsai would know, based on their profession, and I, I'm still struggling from that if you go to a doctor, the other time I went to a doctor and he prescribed something for me. I said, what's the problem? He spoke a big weight. I said, goodness. Sound like tea. Am I terminally ill? So what does it mean? Doc? He says, no, it's just a headache. Oh, but doc, why did we go there? Why didn't you just say headache? It's because they use the jargon to eliminate copycats. Uh, hallelujah. And a lot of times, the, the doctors today, uh, we went somewhere, my wife, we went somewhere, we got to the doctor, and says, the doctor immediately says, hey, do, what does Dr. Google say is the problem? We looked at him and said, no, I know, before you get here, you go to Google. Amen. So now they just give you this big weight. Just to confuse you. Just to show that you have not been through the medical school for seven years. Just to be careful that the herbalists must not as well pretend to be doctors. Amen. And you know now there is a bit of uh, a conflict between homeopaths and medical doctors. Amen. I'm told medical homeopaths have got issues with medical doctors. Medical doctors have got issues with homeopaths. Amen. Uh, Yes. How many have been to a homeopath? Don't be ashamed. I've been there as your pastor. Amen. What amazes me about homeopath, if you say you've got a a pain on your knee, he takes a needle and goes right there. Or maybe you went to better homeopaths. The one that I went, I started wondering, 
But have you seen when you went to a medical doctor, they've got a certificate behind their chair? Eh? Is it MCBH from vets, from techies? So that if you've got problems, you must look that, look, I'm, not, I'm certificated here. Hallelujah. So sometimes professional people use a specific language just to check whether there are no people that are not meant to be there. Amen. I remember when we had uh, uh, Coca-Cola. For some reason, I got to Coke. I've always known that it is a fridge. But after I joined Coca-Cola, I heard them speaking about a cooler. I said, oh, cooler. Right. Until such time... I don't know whether they realized that even people outside were beginning to say, it's a cooler. Then later, one year they said, no, it's no longer a cooler. It's a sales-generating asset. I said, why is this English evolving? They said, no, it just makes sure that we regulate outsiders so that when we speak, we speak in our terminology. Yeah. Hallelujah. Even right now, there is a way in the message that we use the message just to test the outsider. When you recognize the word of God to be the eagle's foot, then you head from your theophany. Hallelujah. Oh, before God became God. Okay. But you, you, you see how people got excited. But have you picked up that? I can ask the person that has gone to the seminary and say, when you recognize the word of God to be the eagle's food, you heard from your theophany. When I leave, he would say, it thundered. But when I speak it to the seed of God, he says, Malachi 4, an angel of the Lord has spoken. Amen. Abraham says, it's a mystery, it's a riddle. It's a, to him, never able to understand it, goes over the top of his head. He does no more. And folks, the other time I received a, a beautiful text, very long, very romantic, from a brother. And while I looked at the text, and he was promising me heavens and earth, <laughs> then I realized that, hey, but this is too loving. <laughs> then I picked up the call. The, I picked up the, my phone, called the brother, said, brother, I just received the text here. Say, what does it say, pastor? I said, no, it says you love me. Say, Pastor, it's not meant for you, it's meant for my wife. <laughs> Hallelujah. Wrong text to a wrong, a right text to a wrong recipient. Amen. And I was telling other people that I say, maybe I should have sent him back just to, to return confusion and say, I love you too. <laughs> Amen. But because it came to me, it had an anointing of the sender. But I did not have the anointing of the sender 
when I read it, I felt uncomfortable. But I had the same text gone to his wife. Goodness, eh, ah, goodness, she was going to be singing, going up and down. It, it was such a beautiful, with some poetic stuff. And the brother shows that he took his time to really compose it. But unfortunately, it got to the wrong guy. Hallelujah. The author composed it. The author composed it. But it went to the wrong people. But when it came to the right people, are there right people in the building? When it came to the right people, it was a melody to their ears. Such a, maybe I need to throw it something here. You go and check the book of Psalms. It's a praise and worship book. Yeah. While we are praise and worshiping, then comes the book. Is it at least says? At least. Come again. It will humble you, that one. Yes. It, we call it a preacher, some of us. Then comes the book of the preacher. Then after the preacher comes the songs of Solomon. Did you check something? Psalms, praise and worship. Then comes the preacher with the weight. And the weight takes you into the inner chamber. Songs of Solomon. It's a love affair. It's the groom whispering love secret. It's an inside chamber. Some people were there when we sang the Psalms. Somewhere there when we were preaching, but there in the song of Sol- songs of Solomon, it's only the bride that goes there, and it says, "How art thou fair, my dove? You caught me by the eye, but you are I." It's a beautiful book, young men. If you have not yet married, there is some good stuff that you can extract there. You will definitely not get no for an answer. Let me just mesmerize you a bit. Song of Solomon. We are having a good time, folks. Allow me to have a good time. Amen. Song of Solomon. Just bring chapter 4, verse 12. Somebody say, "Ah, Pastor, how do you know it? I used it. (laughs) <laughs> I need to preach from experience, brother Dipai. Amen. Verse Song of Solomon, verse uh, verse four, chapter four, verse seven. Thou art all fair, my love. There is no spot in thee. There will be a church that will be without spot and wrinkle. Thou art art all fair, my love. There is no spot in thee. It's our husband speaking to us. Go, brother. 
9. Thou hast ravished my heart, my sister, my spouse. Thou hast ravished my heart with one of thy eyes. There's a way that you look at him. There's a way that you look at him. There's a way that he looks at you. On Sunset Mountain, he was looking down at us. Verse 10. How fair is thy love, my sister, my spouse. How much better is thy love than wine. And the smell of thy ornaments than all spices. Okay. Thy lips, O my spouse, drop as the honeycomb. Honey and milk are under thy tongue. Let me leave it there. <laughs> showing how much God loves us. Imagine you, are, imagine you write this verse and you think you are writing it to your wife and it goes to maybe a wrong man. Goodness. The man will be sweating. But the same verse, when it goes to your, husband, to your wife, she will have a Jew. She will be rejoicing. This verse, it got caught by the clergy. And they misinterpreted it. Until in the end time, God sent the prophet. And it reached the right people. And here you are. Here you are. It's a mystery. And riddles to him, never able to understand it, goes over the top of his head. He does no more know about it than nothing. But to the church, it's honey in the rock. How many say this message is honey in the rock? This word is honey in the rock. Hallelujah. But whenever it is not meant for you, it is a rock around your neck. Some see the honey, some see the rock. I see the honey. It's a honey in the rock. It's joy unspeakable. It's the blessed assurance. This message is the blessed assurance. It's the anchor of the soul. It's our hope and stay. It's the rock of ages. It's everything that is good. For heavens and earth shall pass away, but God's weight shall never pass away. But the man outside Canaan knows nothing of it. If you were to bring a man that is in the wilderness and the man that is in Canaan and you say they have a fellowship, it's going to be tough. The man in the wilderness will say, Moses again. You know, Moses, he brought us out of Egypt. We're enjoying our garlic and cucumbers. Now here we are out in the wilderness. There are not even graves to bury us. I mean, if God calls you out of something and he says you are going somewhere, along the way you think about death. You worry about the grave. Look, we are out today. There's a problem. It's hot. It's what? It's a man from the wilderness. But the man in Canaan says, Goodness, I planted my corn. It's growing very well. I'm enjoying the milk and honey of the land. 
I'm enjoying the fruits. This prophet is great. His message has brought us to this destination. But the one in the wilderness, you don't know what Moses did today. We did not have anything to eat. Okay, it rained, manna came. Do you see the conversation? Do you, can you take that and mirror it in the end time? This prophet is very oppressive. Things that he preached, we can be free. Another one says, but this message is the anchor of my soul. This message is everything to me. I'm enjoying honey in the rock. We thank God for the prophet. We are reaching our destination. It depends where you are on the journey. And there's no way that you can be in Canaan and hang out with the people that are in the wilderness. It will never work. Who you hang out with reflects your state on the journey. Amen. Now, Paul, it's not addressed to the world, it's addressed to the outsider. Not addressed to the outsider, it's addressed to the insider. Now, Another thing, two million people left Egypt. Two million people. Hundreds of thousands left Egypt. And they sang songs when they were leaving. But of all those that left Egypt, only Joshua and Caleb and the rest were below the age of 21 reached Canaan. My question would be, let's leave the younger generation because it was born in the wilderness. Let's come to the people, the peers of Joshua and Caleb. What happened to, to them? Why did they not make it? When they left Egypt, what was their intention? Where were they going? When they were there, scared between the Red Sea and Pharaoh, what was that stress all about? They never reached the promised land. But Joshua and Caleb reached the promised land. And the Bible in Numbers 14, 24, it says, because they had a different spirit. And I'm simply saying we have left the denominations. We are about to reach home. The people that are going to reach home are the people that have a different spirit. And just imagine being Joshua within hundreds of thousands and standing out every time they attacked the prophet, Joshua and Caleb were there. At some point in time, they were even raising his hand. Are we together? They were there encouraging him and saying, we are more than able to go and take the land. We have seen the giants, but our God is more than able. What made this man to be courageous? They had a different spirit. And as much as the prophet, as much as Moses was attacked, the prophet in the end time is being attacked. We need the people that have the spirit of Joshua and Caleb that had a different spirit that can say, listen, what this man has spoken. We are looking at the land that we are about to possess. Hallelujah. And it showed their priorities in the land. 
While others were thinking about possessing the land, others were thinking about a cucumber. But yet they were in the same church. One worried about a cucumber, one worried about the land. Why worry about a cucumber? You should worry about the land because in the land you can plant your cucumber. So this different spirit makes you to have the foresight. The foresight is means, means you don't look where you are. You look 10 years down the line and say, how will it be 10 years down the line? And I'm simply saying, our foresight is looking down the line. And we are seeing the rapturing of the bodies. We are seeing the church being taken out of this Laodicean condition. It depends what you see. Now in closing, while I'm planning to close, I'll not repeat it often, don't worry. The beautiful message is the invisible union of the bride. I like how the setup was. Remember, every event has got a spiritual significance. When Brother Brandon Miller had bought him a Bible and he was struggling to locate a scripture because the pages were uh, stuck together and he was there fiddling, trying to until a Roman Catholic priest with his uh, priest regalia, with his gown, he came there and said, my son, take my book. And he took the Bible of that priest and he read the scripture and he closed it and he gave it back to the priest. And later, after he preached the message, the birth pains, he comes, he preaches the message, this day, this scripture is fulfilled. 2,000 years ago, Christ took their scroll and gave them back to their scroll that was closed. In the end time, Brother Bram gave them the closed book. But to the bride of Jesus Christ, the mighty angel came down with an open book and gave it to the bride. And we read from the book, then we see our names. This day, this scripture is fulfilled. Now, when he preached the invisible union of the bride, what a beautiful sermon. What a beautiful sermon. He actually, when he preaches it, he says this sermon, it's a thanksgiving sermon. This is a thanksgiving message. Why would the prophet come and say it's a thanksgiving message? What had he, what had he had seen for him to declare the message to be thanksgiving? To him, it dawned on him, this bride shall never be deceived. This bride shall never be deceived. Let me just throw something here. I heard people talking about that there is a third Adam. A third Adam. The view is the first Eve came and fed. Then God rose the second Eve and she, fe- she fell through Adnasia cancer. Now, they say there is the third Eve. Therefore, there must be the third Adam. Sounds good, but it's not scriptural. Fantastic revelation, but doesn't gel with the scriptures. Why am I saying that? Yes, you may be the third Eve. I'm not denying that the first one Brother, when you speak, we'll go ahead and check it in the uh, spoken words. 
the spoken word is the original seed, he says when Adam, before he came to Eve, she had already uh, been defiled. And it says, then there was the second Eve, and she was defiled, Nasia canceled with this Trinity doctrine. And but God is rising the bride in the end time. She will not spoil in the crisis. The mystery of God revealed, he says, she will not spoil her skirts of purity. She will stay with the unadulterated word of God. And he says, she is pregnant. Hear me out here. Whoever made him pregnant is not the third Adam. The same one that was made flesh in the end time. He emmed himself into the fullness of the weight. The second Adam is the one because he's infallible. If you say there is a third Adam, you are alluding that the second Adam fell. The second Adam can never fall. The second Adam is infallible. The second Adam is Christ himself. Do you see how something can really sound good to the ear, but cannot dovetail with the scripture? That is why never misquote, never misplace, and never misinterpret the scripture. If you hear the doctrine, bring the doctrine back to the scripture. And if it's not approved by the scripture, reject it. Well, why do I know that this is not the third idiom? Because he says, the weight, the message indictment, the weight. I want to indict this generation for the second crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Who? The same one that they crucified there in the flesh form. In 1963, they crucified him in the way form. The same flesh bled 2,000 years ago, but today it is the bleeding weight. Are you here, church? There must be continuity. The scripture must meet the scripture. The code must meet the code. Not a thought, not an idea. If I ever come here and preach, the third idiom is communicate me. Amen. You allow me to... 12 o'clock will be done. 10 minutes more. Amen. Are you having a good time as much as I do? Amen. Allow me to have a good time. Brother, Brother Peregrine. Brother, Brother Peregrine was a, a prosperous man, folks. Oh, he was a very wealthy, a president of multinational company. Amen. But a believer of the message. Amen. So that is why I want to drive it home. Being spiritual is not because I have or I don't have. It has nothing to do with that. Amen. Now, Thanksgiving message. Brother Branham says, or Brother Peregrine, he was preaching this message in a local assembly of Brother Jack's, Jack's uh, Tabernacle. And while he was preaching there, Brother Brennan, Brother Peregrine had set up telephone hookups so that Brother Brennan can be able to free, preach on, on radio so that people can switch on and listen to him on their radios 
through a specific frequency. It was a telephone hookups during that time. I hope I'm putting it correctly. Then right there, that message, it was a local assembly as like this, but Brother Brennan brought in his address and said this is a thanksgiving message. And he says, now I want to pass greetings on down the line to the churches now that's hooked up across the states. We are on the telephone hookup, which is a fine little system that we have been able to get through our brother Peregrine from uh, Beaumont, Texas. And the churches completely are following the message all the way across the United States are hooked up tonight. So that means every message group during that time was hooked up when he preached this message. Then he said, we send greetings up and down the West Coast, all the way from Vancouver, Mexico, through St. Joe's, that is California, Los Angeles, all the groups. We greet you from Chef Report, all the way to Prescott, Arizona, to the group up there that's waiting on the Lord. We send greetings to you and to Tucson, Sierra Viesta, all the way to New York, up and down across the nation. The Lord bless you each. Wish you were here tonight. Then he was preaching this message in Louisiana. But while preaching there, he's addressing all message groups that are following the message of the hour during that time, which tells you there's one man that fulfilled a one-man scripture in the end time. It was William Brenham. Are we together? And I believe that if this message was referred to all of them, it was referred to the saints in Malaching as well. Are we together? Which was a thanksgiving message. And Brother Brenham in that message, he says, tonight I'm going to preach the doctrine. And this is for the groups that are following the message. And that is why on Wednesday I was preaching, touched on marriage and divorce. I simply say, it's not something that you can take it to everybody. It is for a specific class of people that can be able to accept and comprehend these things and embrace them. Are we together? So certain things, when he preached uh, certain messages, that's why when he says, I'm, when I'm out of Brenham Tabernacle, I only preach. He says, I only preach uh, where we agree with the brethren. But when I'm back home, I'm preaching on the doctrine. And now from that doctrine, the spoken word is the original seed, paragraph 417. The prophet says, then from a little group of the true seed of the word, God will present Christ a beloved bride, a virgin, not corrupted by women. It's not a, a slip of a tongue. A church is corrupted by women. Hallelujah. Women represent a church. And a, a church, a woman, can be corrupted by women, other churches. That's why this little bride must never partner or pattern herself after other women. She must pattern herself after the weight. Are we together? And the other women are being corrupted by men that are leading them in order to corrupt this little bride. And men, it refers to 
you must remember for every uh, genuine dollar, there is a, a fake dollar somewhere. For every genuine evangelist, there is a genuine ev- there is a fake evangelist somewhere. For every prophet, there is a prophet outside. That is why when Moses came, there was Biliam. And Biliam was anointed as much as Moses was anointed. But Biliam did not have the pillar of fire, did not have the cloud. But he offered the sacrifices. I, I hope you are following here. Are we together? We've got the fivefold ministry outside the body, and we've got a fivefold ministry within the body. And if you follow a pastor, is he within the body or outside the body? And if he's outside the body, you can see the tele tele signs. And that's why I say every woman that is very sane in her mind, she must never be under a pastor who's divorced. No. It's going to spill over the pews. And God will present Christ, a beloved bride, a vision, a vision of his weight. And through them and by them will be fulfilled all that has been promised for his weight in the vision who knows no man made creeds or dogmas. Through them and by them. And I say, who are those people? The insiders. And I say, God, thank you for making me an insider. Thank you for bringing me closer into an inner cycle so that I cannot just hear the parables, but I can hear these things in plain language. How many are thankful that they are in the inside group? How many are thankful that they are not out there outside where there is confusion? But God, through his predestinated plan, pulled you into the inner cycle. And Brother Bram said the groom is whispering love secrets in the ear of the bride. God bless you richly. Brahma Zuma, there is a song, lovely song. It says, I am glad that I can say I'm one of them. Let's sing the full version of it. How many glad that I can, we can stand to our feet. We're just going to rejoice. Amen. Just, just bring it up. We are glad to have Brother Lucky back at his post of duty. Amen. We claimed him to come back at his post of duty. Amen. There are, there are people almost everywhere. Eh? Almost everywhere. This message will go almost everywhere. Whose hearts are all aflame with the fire that fell at Pentecost? No demon shall extinguish that fire. Who cleansed and made them clean? It is burning now within my heart. All glory to his name. And I'm so glad that I can say I am one of them. There are people almost everywhere. Even in Wilbank. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah.
Hello, say, are you happy, honey? Say, yeah, I'm happy. Are you going to really be convinced that she's really happy? Are there people that are glad to be one of them? Are there people that are glad to be one of them? Hallelujah. Let's, let's try it more. If they are not rejoicing, we'll sing it for the whole afternoon. Amen. Come in. Come with it.
God bless you, Brother Landa. Good to see you. God bless you, Sister Noto. Good to see you. Amen. Just one more before I release you. There are neighbors everywhere. We love them so dearly. Have you got neighbors that you love? I actually, I do have a good neighbor. Amen. Be kind to your neighbors, folks. Greet them. Be a good representation of Christ. Amen. I love my neighbor. Just bring it up. Living below. Is it living below? Oh, yes. I think that is the song that Peter would have loved. After the flesh and blood sermon. <laughs> Amen.
ask you, who am I? Tell them I'm redeemed. And then we'll close our eyes. Brother Arnold, if we can step to the fore and just wrap up in prayer for us. Amen. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed, let's just be in a worship mode.
Reverend Father God, they are about to approach the holiday, Christmas holiday. Men of us are traveling, going around. May you keep us and may you lead us wherever you are going, Heavenly Father God. Yes. We are also having our, our, our meetings, Heavenly Father God. May you lead us, may you be with us, may you speak with us, Lord. May you also provide for us, Heavenly Father God. Yes. Heavenly Father God, we want to thank you for everything which you have done for us. Thank you. We want to thank you for everything you, you, you keep us all the way. Yeah, Heavenly Father God. No one of us has a problem, Heavenly Father God. It's not because you are clever, Heavenly Father God, but it is because of your grace. Thank you, Heavenly Lord. Father God. Help us this afternoon thank so you. that we can keep this way with us, Heavenly Father God. Heavenly Father God, we want to thank you for everything which you have done, Heavenly Father God. We want to thank you for our pastor, Heavenly Father God, mm. for he is leading us every time, Heavenly Father God, mm. with this gospel, Heavenly Father God. We surrender everything in your hands. In yes. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. God bless you richly. May God richly bless you. I just reminded we don't have a midweek service. Uh, they will recommence in the new year. So Wednesday's meetings or Wednesday time, we spend it around the family altar. It is still God's time. I mean, I agree, it is still God's time. Amen. Uh, maybe this Wednesday, why don't we just listen? Because our convention is going to be, the theme is the seventh seal. Maybe I would advise you Let's just remember we once listened to souls that are in prison. Maybe on this Wednesday around service time, let us listen to the seventh seal sermon. Amen. Just listen. You just absorb. When ministers come, they will properly place you. Are we together? Amen. So uh, we are looking forward. But as you know, we will be having the convention from the 23rd. The morning service will start at 9 o'clock, and then it will be over, uh, is it three days? There's two services on the 23rd, two services on the 24th, two services on the 25th, then the 26th is a holiday. You can relax. We're together. So it's going to be quite a a demanding time, but I know we will be rejoicing. They say time flies when? Yeah, we're going to be having a good time. That is the godly fun that we speak about. Amen. So, Brother Joseph Latola, uh, Brother Steve Francis, uh, quite looking forward to be with them. So, just pray, Brother Obed Yorker. So, we are going to have a, a great time. And just pray for the people. Whoever needs an accommodation that may ask you as a local, refer them to the elders or refer them directly to Protea Hotel. Amen. So, God bless you. Let's spend time praying for the meetings so that they become fruitful and they deepen our relationship with Christ. And the seventh thing I still believe it is the core of the end time ministry. Amen. Because the seventh seed is himself. Amen. God bless you richly. I don't know if there is any jubilant song, Brother Masoma.
you can give it to us. You are dismissed. Have a blessed week and let it be victorious. And may God enable you to possess the gates of thy enemies. God bless you richly. Yes. Yeah.